Unicorns, my personal journey to Boston 2014. Hello and welcome, my friends. This is Chris, and this is the second in my series of kind of personal podcasts that I'm doing essentially to air out my brain as I deal with my uh, my father's cancer and gear up to run for the Liver Foundation at Boston. So you, you should take note that even though this is on the Run Run Live podcast feed, this is not the Run Run Live podcast. You will you have fair warning to skip now because I'm not talking about running so much, and the standard Run Run Live episodes will be labeled as such. As part of this project, whatever this project is, I'm collecting donations for the American Liver Foundation for my running of the Boston Marathon this year. And I wanted to layer on some purpose for the event and make it more personal. So the donation links are in the show notes and at http colon slash slash www.goliverfoundation.org slash go to slash cykt russell. And my story is that I already had a number for this year's race, and I didn't need to fundraise, but with my dad's health declining, I thought it would be a decent thing to do to dedicate this to him and my family. So I'll tell you my fundraising story. It's a funny story. As I came out of uh, back-to-back marathons in January and February, it became obvious to me that I wouldn't be racing Boston this year. My body was too beat up to put in the necessary quality training to run this race competitively. And I'm sure it was obvious to everyone else, but I have this knack for obstinacy and denial when it comes to my running. So I looked around for a Boston-sanctioned charity to lend my energy to, and the Lear Foundation was the closest thing to my dad's cancer that I found. And so I sent them a nice letter, actually a a form letter through the Contact Us forum on their website, that basically said, is it okay if I give you money? I don't need anything from you. I've run Boston 15 times, and I have an existing network that makes reasonable fundraising relatively painless, to which they replied with a hearty and cheery form letter asking me to sign a contract, pay a $75 admin fee, commit to at least $1,000, and give them a signed credit card slip. So I let out a small mental sigh and embarked on the paperwork. I signed all the forms, I sent them their $75, and I planned my campaign launch. And I know these poor folks have to deal with a lot of crazies, and I'm not surprised at them erecting barriers I I think actual members of their charity team, the pros, have to raise over $7,000 to get a bib number for Boston. So then after I registered and they sent me 37 emails, these were all the new member information things and weeks and weeks worth of newsletters that I had missed. The other fundraisers had been going at it hard for months. So here's my punchline. I covered their $1,000 minimum in less than 24 hours after my launch. And I know some excellent, high-quality, decent people in my community are willing to help me. So it was fairly painless. And I did allow myself one small, passive-aggressive, I-told-you-so email to the director of the charity team. So why am I running for charity? I mean, why does anyone? You'd be tempted to say that we do it 
for or in memory of a loved one. You know, and I don't think that's the whole story. That's that's really that's not really why people do it. I think we do it for ourselves. I think it's an inherently selfish act with positive social overtones and consequences. We do it because our brains are screaming and we need a physical and emotional release. We need a physical channel for this demonstration of the chaos, grief, sadness, and fear in our lives as things happen that we cannot control, cannot understand, and are really not understandable to begin with. That's the whole charity thing. That's what it is. It's not to help a cause. That's just a symptom. It's to keep us from running screaming into the wilderness to hide. It's to keep us from punching our co-workers and clients. It's a valve, a salve, and a release. But perhaps it's more. Perhaps it matures into an altruism to our fellow humans. Perhaps it is a selfish act that crystallizes into an act that enriches our souls. Look at the person next to you. What do you see? Do they have a calm or a placid countenance? You have no idea what spinning chaos is in their mind behind the facade. It is through charity that we can break this, because charity becomes a physical manifestation that turns thought into action. And this is how we get a glimpse into the inner workings of a human's mind. It's through charity that we look into the black box of their soul. And we shall know them through their acts, or through their art. I don't have an interview for you for this show, for this time around. I'll just share a piece I did on fundraising tips. I'm a rookie fundraiser compared to the other official liver people. Like I said, they're throwing parties and holding auctions and robbing banks and raising thousands of dollars. But I do know some things about building a social network. So maybe there is some value in my words. Thoughts on collecting for charity. How to get the money without losing your sanity to stress. With the big spring marathons coming up, athletes are starting to commit to charities to deliver donations. These donation goals are getting bigger and bigger. What used to be $1,000 is now $5,000 or $7,000. It can be very stressful for athletes, especially those with no experience in fundraising, to be starting at this big number they have committed to deliver in two or three months, in addition to training for the event itself and all the inherent logistics. So first, understand the risk. You may be held personally responsible for what you don't raise. Can you afford that? Second, make sure you are at least partially committed to the event and the charity before you sign up. If it is a charity that you have a personal or emotional attachment to that you can wrap your heart around, that is great. It will allow you to tell an authentic and compelling story to your potential supporters and sponsors. And third, prepare your story. Why are you doing this? Why is it important to you? Why should I care? Who are you helping? I'm not talking about a catalog of description here. I'm talking about a story. I'm raising money for cancer research is not compelling. When I was five, I watched my grandmother die from cancer and swore that if I ever got a chance, I would make that right. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Put emotion in it. Put narrative in it. 
Put names and faces in it. Include a call to action at the end. Please help me in some small way in my quest to end cancer. This narrative this narrative will be the base of all your content and campaigns. Take the time and write this narrative. Have it edited for impact. Employ a copywriter if that isn't one of your skill sets. But only after you have emptied your heart and told your story. Make it lean and mean. This is your differentiation. From this story, you will create scripts, blog posts, emails, 144-character mission statements, speeches, and all the other content you will need to launch in your campaign in the next two or three months. Fourth, determine your target market. You can't pitch to everyone. Create a plan. Who is in your network? What are the attributes of the person who would be moved to donate to your story? Are you going to get lots of small personal donations or a few big corporate donors to find who they are, find out where they live, and how to get your message in front of them? Fifth, come up with a sales plan. Lay out the calendar and mark at least two events a week for the next two to three weeks. Events can be blog posts, parties, calls, whatever. Budget these activities so that you can measure progress and follow up. You want to have a continuous stream of compelling content to your target audience over the life of the campaign. It can't be repetitive, intrusive, or overwhelming. It has to be compelling content with a call to action. You can create this content or you can curate existing content. You don't have to write every piece. You can forward an article on cancer progress, for example, with a call to action. Sixth, use technology to enable your outreach. You need to take your narrative and give it a home where people can go when they are ready to take action. Most charities have websites, but many times they are dysfunctional. You probably want to set up a Just Giving page or something similar that you can direct people to. In the best case, you could set up a simple web page with your narrative and a simple URL to give people. Don't use technology until you have the narrative completed. Make it compelling and easy. Seventh. Work your social networks. Many times people get stuck when they run out of family and friends to ask. You should use your email list, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. Don't just launch a one-time solicitation letter. Come up with a compelling hook that they will click through on. Like find out why I'm crying this morning with a cute animal picture. Ask your social networks for referrals to other people and other groups. Eighth. Write a speech version of your narrative. Practice it until it is nuanced and compelling. Shop all your local groups and clubs for opportunities to present your narrative. It should only be a five-minute story with a call to action. Record it to audio and send that around to your list. Record it on video and post it to YouTube and send that to your list. This video message is very personal and powerful and should be done in the latter stages of the campaign. And ninth, ask for help. Find people you respect and ask them for help. You are not begging your friends for money. You are telling your story and asking them for help. That help can be a donation, but it can also be a referral or access to a person's social network or advice on what to do. Your goal is to start a conversation, not to ask for money. And that's all I have for you today. Good luck with your donations.
Well, I think this will be my last Boston Marathon, at least for a while. I will make up excuses to justify my decision, and many of them will be valid, but I think it's just a question of moving on. I've gotten whatever grace that it can give me, and it's it's time for other adventures. All things have a beginning and an end. We cannot deny that. We cannot slavishly cling to things from the past. In fact, we need to clean things out of our closets to make room for other things. It's neither good nor bad. It just is. The risk of hanging on is the sin of desire. We want stability in our lives. We get to a good spot, and we want things to stay the same. The longer we have these things, the more we own them, and then the more they own us. At some point, this becomes desire, and as the Buddha tells us, desire, that desire corrodes our freedom. Make a habit of letting things go, of cleaning your closets. This prepares fertile ground for the adventures to come. Next year, I will not run the Boston Marathon, not because I can't, Not because I don't want to, simply because it's time. It is time. When we deal with loss, the loss of a parent, for example, we can't understand the impact it will have on us. And that's what I've realized. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I have no experience these things. And in response, I've decided to let go. Uh, I don't own the process. I'm just a rider caught in the flow. Instead of trying to control, which is my intellectual default, I'm going to try to just be present and aware. And one of the best ways to give up control is to share. And that, my friends, is why we are having this conversation. Thank you for your prayers and support. Speak to you again in a fortnight or so. Ciao.